here in Australia, uh, we're pretty familiar with bushfire warnings. We take them seriously. We saw that just this last week in Victoria, where fire warnings last Wednesday, they resulted in hundreds of schools and childcare facilities being closed, over 30,000 evacuations urged. We know not to take bushfire warnings lightly, and rightly so, because a bushfire can devastate your life. In today's Bible reading, did you notice Jesus issues some warnings? Not about bushfires, but about two other different dangers. Dangers that could draw his listeners away from him. Because remember, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. God's king is on his way to his capital. And all along the way, he's been calling on people to follow him and spread the news about him. And today he issues two warnings about things that might be stopping people from following him. Two things that might cause people to drift away from him. And therefore, these aren't dangers that can just potentially devastate this life. By drawing us away from the love and the forgiveness and the hope and the life that Jesus offers, these are things that can ruin us for all eternity. And so this morning, Jesus lovingly warns us. Sounds like we should pay attention. I wonder what the warnings are. The first one is to do with hypocrisy. Verse 1. Meanwhile, when a crowd of many thousands had gathered so that they were trampling on one another, Jesus began to speak first to his disciples, saying, Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Now, Jesus' words here are coming hot on the heels of what we read at the end of the previous chapter about the Pharisees and the experts of the law. Remember last Sunday, Jesus ripped into the religious leaders of the day who were more concerned with outward appearances than the state of their heart, how they were outwardly pious but inwardly filled with wickedness. Well, after condemning the leaders last week, this week Jesus turns to his disciples and urges them, don't be like that. Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees. Now, yeast, of course, is what we put in bread to make it rise. You only need a little bit of it. I'm no baker, but as I understand it, the usual ratio of yeast to flour is about one in 100, sometimes less. So Jesus is saying, don't even have a little bit of Pharisee in you. Not even a pinch of what they're like, pretending to be something they're not, putting on a show for others. Be on your guard against that. Be on your guard against praying beautifully in small group, but not praying at all at any other time during the week. Be on your guard against having your Bible open now or a Bible app open now, nodding at all the right places in the talk, but actually not going home and changing your life? Be on your guard about being friendly to someone's face, but gossiping about them behind their back. Be on your guard against having pious 
theological discussions about the correct definition of marriage, but then going home to a loveless marriage and neglecting your partner. Be on your guard against telling someone that you'll pray for them, but you never do. Be on your guard against the use of the Pharisees. It's, it's hypocrisy. And having sounded that warning, Jesus doubles down on it by pointing out the danger behind it and how hypocrisy treats God with contempt because it thinks we can fool him. Verse 2. There's nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What you have said in the dark will be heard in the daylight. See Jesus' point here? Hypocrisy is so transparently stupid because it thinks we can hide things from God? That is so naive. It's like a little child playing hide and seek and thinking that they can hide simply by covering their eyes. Because if, you know, if they can't see you, they think you can't see them. Are we really so silly to think that God doesn't see it when our words and our actions don't line up? There's nothing concealed that will not be disclosed. And so you see, the danger of hypocrisy is that it eats away at our understanding of who God truly is. It is a toxic stupidity that erodes away our sense of needing Jesus because we start to mistakenly think that God can be contained. He can be tricked and that he's going to be satisfied by simply what outward appearances look like. Avoid it at all costs. Don't even let a little pinch of it get in. It's an insidiousness that undermines our need for Jesus. And it can start to cause us to drift from him. Be on your guard against the use of the Pharisees. It's hypocrisy. And having now issued that warning and explained the danger of it, he actually moves on to a note of comfort as he repeatedly tells his followers to not be afraid. Do you notice that? Verse 4, he speaks of not needing to be afraid of people who can only hurt you in this life. In verse 7, he speaks of not being afraid of being forgotten by God, no matter how bad things can get. In verse 8, he says that when we acknowledge him before the rulers of this world, he'll acknowledge us before the angels of heaven. In verse 11, Jesus even envisages a time where his disciples will be hauled before the Jewish rulers and authorities. And even then he says, don't, don't worry, the Holy Spirit will be with you. Which, by the way, is exactly what happens. You can read all about it in the book of Acts. But back here in Jesus' words, at first glance, all this stuff about acknowledging Jesus and not being afraid if you get persecuted for it, it can seem a little, a bit of a random change of topic. What's this got to do with hypocrisy and guarding ourselves against the yeast of the Pharisees? Well, a lot, actually, to Jesus' original hearers, because the Pharisees were not just bad examples because of their hypocrisy. They could also be deadly opponents because of their social status. And so to reject the hypocrisy of Pharisee faith and to follow Jesus instead, 
that was going to be a dangerous venture. That was going to make things socially awkward for you because it would put you at odds with the accepted faith system of the day. A system that we heard last week focused on outwardly doing things in order to earn a place in the kingdom of God. But what we've been seeing in Luke is that Jesus is here to offer the kingdom of God as a gift. He's on his way to Jerusalem to make it possible. He's heading there to give up his life on behalf of his followers so he could be forgiven, so he can have a place in the kingdom that we just don't deserve. And as Tristan helped us with last week, that is so not what the Pharisee faith was about. And Jesus wants his disciples to be prepared for the pushback that that was going to mean in their lives. And so he comforts them. Because unlike the stupidity of Pharisee hypocrisy, which thinks that God can be contained, Jesus wants his followers to feel the safety that God can't be contained at all. And therefore, wherever we are, whatever we're going through, no matter how awkward it is, God can see it. He has it covered. He'll get us through. Which is a wonderful truth about God. And for Jesus' disciples at the time, it would have been especially reassuring for them, helping them not to drift away from Jesus and back into the familiar but hypocritical Pharisee faith. But hey, this is not the only warning Jesus gives, is it? And look, even though there's a lot more we could say about just this section, especially that bit in verse 10, blaspheming against the Holy Spirit, very happy to chat about that over morning tea or at the picnic if you would like. But for the sake of time, I would like to move ahead because as important as the hypocrisy warning is, there's a second one coming. It's about greed. Someone in the crowd said to him in verse 13, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between them? Then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Jesus' warning about hypocrisy was prompted by his interactions with the Pharisees. This now, his second warning, is also prompted by an interaction, a new one involving a bloke who wants his fair share of an inheritance. And it's interesting because there's no indication that the bloke doesn't actually have a strong case here. Maybe his brother has ripped him off with the inheritance. It wouldn't be the first time it's happened. But Jesus ignores the merits of the man's case and instead zeroes in on what he sees as the attitude behind it. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life doesn't consist in the abundance of possessions. Now, if you and I feel the pull of hypocrisy in our lives from time to time, let me suggest to you that the pull of greed in our culture, is enormous and constant. There are literally thousands upon thousands of people employed 
all around the country thinking up ways to get us to buy stuff. It's estimated that every single day you and I are exposed to about 5,000 advertisements. This never-ending bombardment of suggestions about things to buy next. And we are kidding ourselves if we don't think it impacts us. To quote the author Sally Poplin, I've been shopping all my life and I still have nothing to wear. I've been in ministry a bit over coming up to 35 years. I reckon this would be the most common way that people drift away from Jesus. Distracted from Jesus while accumulating possessions. Because the thing about possessions is that they take time to get the money together to buy them. And then they take time to maintain them. And then they take time to play with them and enjoy with them and work on them and polish them and display them and, oh, rats, I haven't been able to get to church or small group as much as before. I've seen it time and time and time again. As Stephen McAlpine observed last weekend, it's actually the Australian good life that is the most destructive to people following Jesus. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. And just like with his warning about hypocrisy, Jesus doubles down on it by pointing out the danger of it, which he does by telling a story about a rich farmer who becomes even richer, so rich that he can, has to build bigger barns to hold it all, which is an interesting little connection point to us here in Australia. I read during the week that uh, the storage locker industry and the shed building industry is going gangbusters because more and more of us simply have too much stuff to fit in our homes. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is enriched towards God. See, just like the hypocrite, the greedy person is ridiculously short-sighted, living only for this life without consideration of the next. It's about as sensible as going overseas and buying all these souvenirs right, of plants and animals and food and weapons, filling your bags with all this stuff which you just won't be able to bring back with you because of Australia's custom laws. Why would you bother? Why do we go to so much effort storing up earthly riches? We're not taking any of it into the new creation. And even more to the point, just like hypocrisy, greed undermines our appreciation of who God truly is. Because greed takes us off the goodness that God gives us in his kingdom and in his king 
It takes our focus off that and moves us on to fixating on other things. Because if the hypocrite thinks that God can be fooled when he can't be, the greedy person thinks that God is stingy when he's not. And so again, just like in the previous warning about hypocrisy, Jesus finishes up this one with a note of comfort about who God truly is. Again, reminding his followers to not be afraid. Repeatedly he tells them not to worry. This time, not so much about persecution, but this time don't worry about food or drink or possessions because if God can look after birds and flowers, he's going to look after his people. Verse 22, therefore I tell you, don't, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or about your body, what you will wear. Life is more than food and the body more than clothes. Verse 29, and do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Don't worry about it. Pagan world runs after all such things, and your father knows that you need them. Seek his kingdom. All these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. These are loving words from Jesus, urging us to open our eyes to how truly generous God is. We treat him so badly and yet he is so open-handed to us. Even pleased to give us the kingdom. So be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Just like hypocrisy, it is a toxic sin that will eat away at what we know of God to be true. It is a stupidity that tricks us into thinking that God is withholding good things from us when we seek first his kingdom when he's not. It causes us to shift our focus off the goodness of King Jesus and his kingdom and we become discontent. And that is exactly where the advertisements want us to be. So two warnings, hypocrisy and greed. These are not warnings that are hard to understand. The question is, what are we going to do about them? I started the talk by mentioning bushfire warnings. With those, we have three levels of action, depending on how great the danger is. They are advice, which means there's no immediate danger, but we do need to stay up to date in case things change. Watch and act, which means you need to start taking action now to protect you and your family. An emergency, which means you need to take action immediately because any delay Put your life at risk. Maybe that's a helpful scale to think about Jesus' warnings today. Because where do you think you might be on that scale with what Jesus has said? Advice? Watch an act? 
emergency. Maybe some self-reflection would help. How about reflecting on how we behave across all the different areas of our life? How consistent we are. For example, do you behave the same at work or at school or at sport or at a party? Do you behave the same there as you do here or at small group? Is the language you use, the jokes you tell, the control of your temper, your honesty, your patience, your self-control? Are they the same everywhere else as here? What about when nobody's watching? What about then? Are you doing things there? Are you looking at things then? Are you taking things in private? that you'd never dream of doing here. So where do you honestly think you might be on the hypocrisy alert level? Advice? Watch and act? Emergency? If you need to, talk to someone about that. Make yourself accountable because there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed. What about some honest reflection about our earthly possessions? What about if we went home today and we walked through our homes and we actually noticed all our stuff? And then we think about the money and the time and the effort that has gone into accumulating them. And then we ask ourselves, what fraction of that time and money and effort has gone into the kingdom of God? What if Jesus pulled our bank statements for the last 12 months? looked at our spending patterns. What do you think Jesus would conclude about where our heart is? Where do you think you might sit on the greed alert level? Advice? Watch an act? Emergency? If we need to take action, in verse 33, Jesus even tells us what to do. Start giving things away. Nothing will fix greed better than generosity. I don't know about you, but I find this morning's verses very sobering. These are real warnings from Jesus. That should cause you and I some real soul-searching. Especially because just like bushfire alerts, 
Jesus does not say the things he says this morning because he wants to make life difficult for us. He says them because he wants us to live. I'll pray. Father, thank you so much for loving us enough to warn us of those things that might distract us from your goodness and the goodness of your Son, Jesus Christ. Father, thank you that in your grace and love you have given us the kingdom. Help us to live for it and to live all for Jesus. Amen.